hamster with a blunt penknife and do it quicker. Welcome back to uh, Hamster with a Blunt Pen Knife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. Mr. Jim Allenby, hello. Hello, Joe. How are you doing? It's been a while, you know, since we recorded episode three of Tomb of the Sidemen, has it not? It has been a while, <laughs> yes. It's been a while. I've In that time, I've got a different microphone. Oh, really? I've moved house three times. You know, <laughs> located to another country. <laughs> Yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a it's been a stretch. Uh, due due to illnesses and various other complications in my life, um, there, there has been a slight delay. But here mm-hmm. we are for episode four of Two mm-hmm. of the Side Men, um, and you know just to show that you in fact do pay attention when you watch Doctor Who stories. I haven't done this to you before, so I know it's a bit mean. Perhaps you'd like to catch up the listeners with uh, what has occurred in Two of the Side Men to date. okay so uh we have a set of explorers um who have uh opened up the tomb um and uh they have awoken the cybermen um yes we've got a starting set piece yeah we've got a couple of um villains there Um, oh boy have we (laughs) (laughs) and um we've we've done a bit of to-ing and fro-ing from going down into the tomb and coming out of the tomb. Oh. Um, and I believe we're at a a point where um, somebody has just been shot, I believe. Um, oh, that wonderfully melodramatic cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's about it, I think. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I can't remember who's still alive in the story. I've only watched this yesterday. Um, um, it, have we lost Cyril Shapshit? Cyril Shaps yet? Is he still alive? I th- mm, is he? No, I, I rewatched it myself yesterday, and I can't I think remember. Cyril Shaps might be dead by now. Captain mm-hmm. Hopper is still with us because he makes it out alive. Yeah, yeah, Captain Hopper is. Caftan's uh, still there, isn't she? Caftan uh, is still here, but she's going to meet a grisly end in episode four. Mm-hmm. A lot of people die horribly in episode four and i want to talk to you as well about patrick Troughton's doctor now we did talk about how he can be a bit mm-hmm. morally muddy at times his solution to this story i'm gonna set a deadly trap so anyone that dares come in and dies instantly <laughs> <laughs> i mean we need to cover that but um yeah. well i don't know if you're ready to jump in i certainly am i am i've got my dvd queued up I so count us in okay in five Four, three, two, one. Boom. Off we go. Okay. I've I've got a question for you immediately. Mm -hmm. This will come as zero surprise to you. And that is, I've been watching a lot of uh, New Who lately. Very slick, polished productions. Uh, And then I went back and watched Tomb of the Sidemen, episode four, yesterday. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some would say that's a slightly less slick and polished production. Um... At the time, was this an expensive piece of work, do you imagine? Yes, I think so. Oh, I think so too. I think for a piece of 1960s TV, looking at it through those eyes, uh, um, I think it does look pretty slick, um, especially with the filmed inserts uh you know with the cybermen i i yeah i think at the time yes um 
when but I think it's very much I think a lot of the stories look pretty good around it as well well what we can see of them um I, I expect Evil of the Daleks probably looks pretty good um from from what we've seen of that um I think it was yeah obviously you could you know it's, it's on a budget um you, you you can see that but but what they've got to work with um it's pretty yeah I think it's pretty slick there's a lot of quotes from people involved in this series. I know Derek Martinez saying we knew we were doing something special with Evil mm-hmm. of the Daleks. We knew this was something. Really... Morris Barry says that about this story. I knew mm. this was going to be quite iconic, the mm. tombs of the Cybermen. And in stories like Fury from the Deep, where Hugh uh, Hugh David's like, you know, I'm going to scare the buggers off, you know, scare the willies out of the little kiddos. Mm. Yeah, I think they then, but it was just such so jarring going from yes. the series to this because it starts with someone off camera going, "Watch out, Doctor!" Yeah. And then a gun firing. <laughs> like, they don't make them like this anymore, do they? No. no, they don't. I mean, you know, just I mean, look at this now. It just looks, you know, it looks amazing. And climbing back into the tombs. Is that just being reversed? It has been reversed. Yeah. Um, but it still works. There's something yeah, really remember, though. Everyone's squinting away at those tiny little TVs in the mm-hmm. 60s, going, Well, what am I seeing? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I I I think if you you could probably jump around a lot of the history of Doctor Who and you could jump from this to the Davison episode and then jump up to an Eccleston episode and back to a Hartnell episode. You're always gonna you're always gonna find a jar in it, you know, because this you know, you watch Spared from Space, and that's, you know, uh, a million times looks better than this. Um, but it's of its time, you know. But going back to what you said earlier, every time this uh, jumps to film work, it's suddenly very slick. The action sequence mm-hmm. are very polished. The camera work is better. I was really aware that that's sort of like a higher level of production than it was mm-hmm. in the studio. And I think the studio works good. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but when it's enticing to think, isn't it? All of it being shot on film. You know, you you see you see some of those series as well that were filmed at the time, like the Avengers. Um, and that's Diana Riggs season, uh, the black and white one. Mm. It's gorgeous. It just, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't exchange it for any for anything because it it is what it is. But to think of you know how it would have looked on film, and and I think we touched on it uh, in the last one of the last episodes that we did um of how how sometimes i miss that that kind of film effect that it had before it was vid fired um yeah. not that obviously filming techniques are different on videotape to what they are on 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 film however it didn't seem as jarring between film shots and studio shots um i tend to forget those vid fires ever existed now you know now we've jumped to the blu-rays mm, yeah they yeah. don't get included on any of them do they no they don't <laughs> it's that sort of like a, that embarrassing corner of releases like, oh yeah leave over there in the in the yeah. shadows <laughs> yeah question for you then you know because mm-hmm. i the another thing that was very apparent as i was sitting there watching this episode was this is high camp this story, right? Oh, yeah. I know it's going for scares at times, but you've got two incredibly over-the-top villains, mm-hmm. including Kaftan, and you've got a lot of very overdone accents in there mm-hmm. as well. 
sort of very colourful characters amongst the archaeologists. And it's all heightened. It's all up here at 11, you know? Mm. Whereas I'm think about the Abominable Snowmen, where there's some... It's, it's a little more quiet mm. and a bit more thoughtful. Or think of Fury from the Deep, where there's a lot of character drama in there and it's more yeah. naturalistic. This is like... Uh, this is almost like the Horns of Naimon of this season. <laughs> Everything's fucking operatic, you know? It is, and it, it kind of gives that feel of, a, of it being like a... Um... It kind of a, a a 1960s kind of um sci-fi film really mm-hmm. um you know with a lot of a, a lot of like you say camp it, it is it does feel more like this is made for kids maybe without kind of mm-hmm. knocking it back a little bit whereas something like say the web of fear um jesus that's too <laughs> scary for me to watch now yeah it's it's that feels more, you know, Fury from the Deep. It's got very, very serious, real people in it. Um, there's, there's, a, there's not a lot to laugh at in in Fury from the Deep and the Web of Fear. With this, yeah, it's very, it is very camp, and um, I don't know if that was done for a purpose. Whether it was whether when they were writing it, they were thinking thinking of the kids. I don't know. I think this is like like we talked about earlier. I think this is absolutely aping those sort of B movies, mm-hmm. Hammer movies, mm-hmm. and all of them. All of them are very heightened, mm. yeah, and a bit silly and over the top. You know, the dangers are hyper real. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't mean within that this isn't incredibly enjoyable to. Oh watch. no, no, and I, I, we probably touched on it in the in the last few episodes, but. You know, I never understood the um, the people who believed this was a classic and then said it wasn't a classic when it was returned. That it would be that it had been, you know, that that how can I put it? It was it was meant to be the lost classic, and then it came back and people says, well, actually, no, it's not actually that good. Um, but again, I was I I came from a time came from a time. Um, I, I I grew up in a in a time of being a fan when I didn't realize it was missing. So this mm. you know this was all I ever ever had of it. You know, so I don't know. I I've never experienced it as being a lost a lost classic before. Oh, I see. I do remember talking about it in sort of hushed mm-hmm. tones. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I remember it coming back and people saying, "Yeah, this is pretty amazing." I I, mm. I sort of missed all of that uh, reappraisal. Mind you, mm. don't listen to fans, Jim. I want the fans know. Yeah. Do you know, I'll tell you one thing that's a blessed relief about this story that all those ones I just mentioned, Abominable Snowman, Fury from the Deep, Web of Fear, it's four episodes long, which means it moves along at a lick rather than mm-hmm. six episodes. Because you imagine two more episodes of them going up and down those tombs. Yeah, it doesn't, it, <laughs> it it, it doesn't work. Tedious, does it? Wouldn't it? <laughs> There's actually a question, and I'm not sure. Um who asked it? Let me just have a little look. Do you know what um, would be embarrassing, right? You know, you know, you said we were quite, not quite sure which questions we've answered or not. Is if we answered them, but completely different to how we answered them before. <laughs> They'll just realise we're making it all up as we go along. Well, this is the thing. Um, oh, who was it who asked the question about? Uh, I'm going to be able to find this. Um, I apologise for not being able to find the person who asked the question, but the question was something along the lines of um, which which story in season five would have benefited from being two episodes shorter. Oh, so that's my... a good question. It sounds like a Fraser one, you know. 
Um, <laughs> There's a few Fraser ones on there, yeah. What do you think? Um, probably the wheel in space. Oh, that's an interesting answer. I always forget that that story is in season five because it's got Zoe in it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I, you know, associate it with this season six, as you do. Um, probably the wheel in space. Um, if not wheel in space. I'd probably say the web of fear. As yes. Because there is a lot of dashing around in the dark and it's expertly done. <clears throat> but after a sort of, you know, the 900th scene of Victoria going along that tunnel going, Jimmy! Mm. <laughs> or actually, maybe even the Ice Warriors. They they seem to have four episodes where they try and decide whether they're going to yeah. uh, turn on the engines or not. <laughs> That's gonna, You know, that goes on for quite a bit. Oh, before the Ice Warriors was released on VHS, a friend of mine got hold of the the, uh, the episodes um, that remained. And uh, I... Um... I remember watching those episodes and I didn't miss anything with with being with no. the being two episodes it's missing out character of stuff isn't it in those two yeah episodes. yeah it's uh it, it kind of helped really can same just, with the reign of terror can I point out that that Cyberman made <laughs> made her she made her open up the hatch and then when his back was turned she'd put it back down again I mean we're in fucking panto territory <laughs> but as she goes to put pull the lever she's laughing as well <laughs> Shirley Cookson's having a great time in this one. <laughs> well, not anymore. She's just been shot dead. I do love a gun with a tra- practical effects. You know? mm-hmm. It's some. Fa- it's somehow more um, hor- horrific, isn't it? I think. Mm. Um... Another another thing I noticed in this story as well is Morris Barry's direction in crowd scenes. Because I find uh, you go sort of skip forward to season nineteen. Oh, hang on a second. <laughs> He's just gone off camera to pick up the dummy. <laughs> uh, oh, he's very limp all of a sudden, isn't he? That cyber controller. <laughs> and his his head comes off as well. Although I do like the idea that he's thrown and then he just gets up <laughs> straight away. Yeah. He's a hard bitch, that cyber controller, you know. <laughs> oh, this is fabulous. Doesn't he shoot him right in the face? Yeah. <laughs> it's all action now, Jim. That's it, that smoke belching out of his yeah. face. That's film again. You can see that look, it, it looks, looks so good. Although I do wish they would move a little bit faster. I mean, I know I like the slow, silent Cybermen, but you know, sometimes you do need a little bit of urgency with them, don't you? You know, some you know the new series. Sometimes they go down that angle of you know giving you sympathy for the villain. Yeah, mm-hmm. when the Cyberman came up that hole and went. The energy levels are low. I was like, oh. <laughs> That's like the Dalek in the uh, in the, the first Dalek story, isn't it? Please turn back the power on. And, <laughs> and it just and 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 he refuses and its eye stop just goes up in the air. Oh yeah, it's an eye stop sticking up, isn't it? Erect. Yeah. Very yeah. funny. <laughs> It's great in the minute where Jamie goes, what are you doing putting him in that revitalizer? The doctor says, well, where would you want him? Out here or in there? <laughs> I'll make sure he stays in there. <laughs> uh, we do need to get onto the thorny subject of Tobeman, though, mm-hmm. uh, and his inevitable, and I'm going to say inevitable, with particular racism, demise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's not right, is it? <sighs> it's It's of its time. Yeah, I was going to say Unfortunately. that. Unfortunately. 
<laughs> but just saying it's of its time, excuse that it's of its time. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because it doesn't excuse it. No, because I I believe that I don't know. I think you you know if you put yourself in in the position, uh, you know us now, um, what we know and you know we live in a hopefully a more enlightened world. Um, we we would write it differently, but back then, did they care about that? Were they just there just to put out a show as quickly as possible? You know. It's... it's more thoughtless than it is mm. racist. I mean, it yeah. is. And do you know what? I, I actually, I don't find his death a problem because no. I think it's quite moving, and mm -hmm. all the characters react as if it means something. In fact, mm -hmm. his death is given a bit more thought than anybody else's in yeah. this story. Most people just die, and they're like, "Oh, was he here? Oh well, I'm sorry, we put him in the cupboard. That person's been." What I don't like is how he's portrayed as this sort of mute thick mm. brutish thug yeah yeah he's i mean how much i mean how better would it have been if he'd if he'd have uh, you know obviously saves saves them really but how much would it have been better if it had survived you know if he did if he'd have if they would developed him over the story and given him more to do and you know and we we, we could have learned the, uh, uh, you know that there was a backstory between him and and kaftan and yeah, it's just. And yeah, you know, it's not like not... I would hear people saying, "Oh, well, they just they didn't think about characters in those ways back then." That's not true because Faria in the Enemy of the World mm -hmm. has a brilliant backstory. Yeah, she she's a black character that is characterized really well. Given a strong actress comes in and plays her, mm -hmm. her death is really moving when it comes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they can do it. They can do it. Yeah, I just don't think that there was enough people who were bothered about doing it back then mm. i think that's i think that's the problem do you know uh, there's a there's a big finish um sequel to this you know years down the line a peter davison story i can't remember set on captain hopper's ship as they're leaving telos and it's every bit as good as i'm making it sound there um but imagine you th there is a story there and if toberman gets away he's been half cybernized well, what do you do with that person yeah where does he fit into society what do they do with that technology like that's yeah. a really interesting idea but th on those levels they're just not thinking no no they don't they don't think at all um and the worst thing is that they they, they bring the the actor back um don't they in the is i think he's in terror terror of the autons is he and he's the the strong man at the circus and it's <laughs> just the like, mute again yeah, yeah exactly the trouble is, you know, is we just had Kemmel last week and he was a mute in that, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh my God, hot as hell, Jim. Jesus. <laughs> oh, when they animated him in Evil of the Daleks, they got him just right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that was that that was another moving death as well. Mm. When Kemmel dies, it's like you he didn't need to die. You know. Uh, uh, did you hear Victoria being extremely sarky just then? When she went, oh, Captain Hopper, it's so it's so good to know that we can rely on your <laughs> superior strength should we need it. What a cowbag! <laughs> They've got some good banter going, the pair of them. I think she's she's um, and my eyes have been open to Victoria through watching this um, mm -hmm. because I don't particularly like. Oh, here we go. That's a horrible death he gets yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. 
And, you know, we're just like that bit where the doctor's like, yes, I see it now. The vision of Klieg. You know, <laughs> the well, Jim, now I know you're mad. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah, Victoria, Victoria, I just um I've I've never been keen on her. Um, but watching this story, you kind of it's probably the strongest, her strongest story, I would say. Um yeah, because she's, you know She's got she's, a bit of agency. Mm, she's you know, you can tell she's scared and she's terrified and she doesn't know. You know, she's been thrust into this life um, with the, the Doctor and Jamie, but she's making the most of it, of, you know, how, how she, you know, how she reacts to it. Um, yeah, she just just sometimes develops into screaming all the time, unfortunately. That shot there of that Cyberman writhing about as his guts come foaming mm. up out of his yeah. innards, that's really horrible. It is. It is. Uh, and you can hear the Cyberman going. <gasps> yeah. Like sort of breathing. It's, I was just yeah. like, that's, that is almost like inappropriately nasty in this crazy yeah. story. Well, I, I was always intrigued um, as to what it would have, what it looked like on the 10th planet um, when the Cybermen die. Cause you see the kind of, the, the kind of crushed forms. Um, but of course, episode four doesn't exist. So mm. we don't know what that actually looked like. Um, but yeah, Doctor Who has a way of doing some horrific, horrific deaths. And I've had a lot Quite of people often. say that episode one and two of this story are really good because there's lots of suspense and there's lots of mystery, and then it gets to the bit with the tombs, and that's that's all sort of all spectacle, mm. and then afterwards it's just a runaround. And I don't disagree that it's a runaround in episode three and four, mm. but there's loads of great set pieces. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely there is, and. And it's not over yet either. You know, you think oh, they've all gone back into the tombs and that's it now. Um, but uh, no, he's uh, got the controller still alive. Oh, he it's gets a fantastically yet. melodramatic close-up in a minute. And he's got his arms out wide like this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get you all. You know, listen, Jim, all right, I'm going to make sure that nobody ever records another commentary for Tomb of the Cybermen, all right? And should they dare to do it, I'm going to electrify the microphone, the mouse, <laughs> and the entire computer and give them a fatal shock. Is it okay for me to do that? It is absolutely fine for you to do that, yes. Okay. So you agree with the Doctor's scheme here, then, <laughs> to murder people that dare to do exactly what he's just done? <laughs> I mean, it's a bit off in it <laughs> he's he's dark isn't he he is he's dark and again i think we we touched on it last time that um you know about how he's quite happy to sort of sit back and watch these things happen and you know uh is this a part of human history you know can he he can't really interfere in it you know I but, think it's a good thing we didn't have too many historical stories of Trowan, you know, because he'd gone the other way from Hartnell. He'd have been like, right, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Get him fucked. <laughs> the little anarchist that he is. Yeah, he's fantastic, isn't he? I don't know. I just remember thinking, I can't think of another story where the Doctor has set a lethal booby trap in order to stop no. this from ever happening again. Oh, mind you, usually they just blow it up, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And I just noticed the shot of the cyber map there as well, kind of wiggling away. 
And I don't know if that was a, a little hint as to say, well, they will be back, you know. I think that's an old um, hammer technique, though, isn't it? You know, one thing survived, or the mm. hand just moves, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was it a good idea bringing him back um, to be the cyber controller in Attack of the Cybermen? Well, they put him on a crash diet before he <laughs> got into the suit. It'd be like asking me to be the cyber controller, you know? <laughs> I've had a few pies in my time. <laughs> <laughs> You see that fabulous shot there where they're both holding the doors? That was on film as well, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. It's enticing. I just want this whole fucking thing to be on film. No. Don't get me wrong. I think they light it brilliantly. I think the sets are great. You know, like, like it's as good as it can be on video. But Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, my. It's a shame, isn't it? Oh, we did like the Doctor's reaction here. He said, I'm sorry it had to end. And he just goes, I know. I know. Mm. If it was Pertwee, it'd be like, "Don't go, don't go home, talking about your heroic <laughs> deeds, you know, <laughs> terrible platitudes." And there's only how many of them have survived? If you take, there's a professor, mm. Hopper, and that's it, isn't it? Apart from those three, yeah, well, there's your Cybermen. It's like one of those early Tom Baker stories, and you murder everybody. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, this is and as well. If you're gonna have oh, a melodramatic story. We're going to have a swing round onto the corpse and then the <laughs> massive Cyberman symbol on the wall. <laughs> and what about, you know, I mean, what an insult. They don't even bother to bury Toberman or, you know, take <laughs> him back. <laughs> I'm just left him there I mean, it's you bad. don't need to electrify the fucking door, right? <laughs> the fact that there's a corpse outside the building. <laughs> I'd say that's a oh, do not <laughs> enter alert. <laughs> You know, and I turned up, and there was a dead man outside. <laughs> <You're> all right. <laughs> okay. Well, like, look. Before we go into our reasons as to why this is fabulous, and mm -hmm. I do think this is fabulous, mm -hmm. um, I want to ask you what makes this. Uh, this is an iconic story. Yes. It's one that people talk about a lot. Mm -hmm. What makes an iconic Doctor Who story, and what makes this an iconic Doctor Who story? I think uh, part of it is possibly because it was lost. Um, I think that adds to it. Um, I, you've, I mean, it's, it's got the Cybermen in it for a start, so you know it's it, it's it's going to be uh, it's it's got that going for it to start with. Um, but I think it's got a lot of memorable set pieces. Mm. Um, it's not i think it's i think because it's short as well it uh it doesn't it, it's not dragged out um although you know obviously it is a little bit maybe maybe it could have done with having an episode shaved off um but it's yeah i i think it's very um i think it's very there's a lot of, there's a lot of incident in it um it's memorable it's got memorable villains in it um <laughs> it's got very very clear cut characters um you know you don't you don't forget about them they don't all kind of merge into one you can remember each of them um and uh, i think it just it's got really great set design as well so i think i think all of those things kind of add up to make it iconic 
I'll add two more things then, because I, I think it might be simpler than all of those things, you know. Mm. I think one is the title, The mm-hmm. Tomb of the Cybermen, which is enticing. It's such an enticing idea. Um, and and the fact that that is a very simple but very Hollywood idea. It's a bit like um, the Dalek invasion of Earth, you know. Mm. It's an yeah. idea that just sort of it conjures up. A story straight it's, away. It's telling you what it is, isn't it? I think it's it's it, you know it's it says it on the tin what you what you're about to put on, um, and maybe that's where people are disappointed in the you know like that idea is so exciting that perhaps mm-hmm. the story could never live up to what what goes on in your head when you hear something like Tomb of Cybermen, Dalek Invasion of Earth, Planet of the Daleks, you know. Yeah, I think so. I mean you you're always gonna have an idea in your head of what something looks like um that's missing. You know, you you know, Dalek's master plan, you know, I, I think about what that could look like. Um would it be a disappointment for it, you know, if it ever returned the whole thing and we saw it? I don't know. Um but I think yeah, I think uh it does say what it what it is um, on the tin, and um, and I think uh, yeah, it just I think it ticks all I think it ticks all the boxes. Well, just to see how many boxes it does tick, mm-hmm. uh, let's find three reasons each to recommend Tomb of the Cybermen. This should be easy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've got about ten, but I'm going to stick myself <laughs> to three. Um, after you, okay. Well, I never thought I'd say this, but, but Victoria. My God! Um, <laughs> Shocking me immediately. <laughs> I think she is, and you know, I've already, I've already spoken about it, but I think um, I love the idea of her being a this orphan who's dragged into this world, and she doesn't really know what she's doing, but she makes the most of of what she's got and and I don't think she's as good in any stories um any subsequent stories as she is in this um I think she's she can be quite funny whether that's intentional or or not um you know um the uh, Captain Hopper thing is <laughs> just said is 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 prime example of that that's hilarious um she could have been like, you know, the bit in this where she picks up the gun and she shoots the cyber. She could have been more impulsive like that, couldn't she? You know, mm, a she bit more, uh, you know, like with Jamie, he had a few stories of like, oh, you know, what is it? What is it? And then it was just like, OK, I'm on board with this now. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, you know, when you watch this, you kind of, I suppose if you was to watch this in a, a viewing marathon, watching in order, if you go into watching Victoria with the, with the, idea that she's somebody who really shouldn't be there and within each story she really shouldn't be there and by the end of her run she leaves because she really shouldn't be there you know and i think i think think out loud this isn't my world yeah Yeah. and i like that and you know although i would have preferred them to have gone further with with you know kind of developing a character a little bit so of a direction isn't she she's sort of like you know I want to be a part of this. And then in front of the next story on, right, I'm here. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, fantastic. Uh, my first probably obvious thing is Kleeg and Kaftan, who I think <laughs> a lot of people write off 
as being, you know, cartoon characters. I mean, they do feel like they stepped straight out of an episode of The Simpsons. They are so yeah. <laughs> You could see them. <laughs> now so, I want an episode of The Simpsons now with uh, Bleak and Captain turning up. Does it not, Homer? <laughs> <laughs> so, Marge, you have survived. <laughs> um, no, no. God, they're glorious. And, you know, these are like Graham Williams villains before their time. And mm-hmm. we, we've had a few over-the-top villains already. You know, the infamous, or in my opinion, the famous Professor Zaroff. Um, <laughs> just want to imagine them hanging out, you know, in some secret base after these adventures... <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get that fucking doctor all right. <laughs> all don't, of these mad camp villains. Don't give Big Finish any ideas. Oh, Jesus, say it three times, it'll pop into existence. <laughs> no, but I think I think uh, the two actors know exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, they know they're in this sort of madcap, uh, sort of cod horror mm-hmm. movie Doctor Who. Yeah. And they play it to their heel. They're so funny. Um I can't ever take them seriously as no. characters or as villains, really. But they they bring an enormous amount of enjoyment to the story. So they they, bring, they bring the story to life, don't they? They you know they they give it some flavor. Um, I think they... Clegg might be the most over the top villain until we hear Soldi. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor, if I'd have known you were sympathetic, you could have worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, go on, Ed. back to you. I would say probably the film sequences. Um, I think it just adds a, a bit of richness to the story. Um, you, you can see, you can see what the story could have been uh, if it had been filmed on film. Um, some of the sequences are absolutely fantastic. Um, and tunes. Oh, uh, do you know what that last sequ- fight with the Cyberman? It had the backdrop. Of the tombs as they were grappling about because it yeah. was cooling. Oh, it looked terrific. Yeah, and it, from the you know from the opening uh, shots as well where they where they've landed on Telos, and uh, it just looks filmic. It feels big and epic, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it looks fantastic. Let's just sort of open spacious and then gets kind of smaller and smaller. Mm. And, then, and then you go underground, so it feels even more claustrophobic. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, my second thing then is going to be, I want to praise Morris Barry because I don't think he gets enough. He did what the Moonbase, mm-hmm. Two Side Men and the Dominators. I recently yeah. did the Dominators with Fraser mm-hmm. and came to reappraise a lot of the direction in that. Um, he is a director of the old school. Apparently, by all accounts, he was a bit of a curmudgeonly old bugger. Um, but he knows how to frame a shot. He knows how to mm. deliver a set piece. Yeah, clearly knows how to handle Patrick Troughton. Mm-hmm. So I think he gets the best out of him. Whether it's him, you know, going around that moon base, snipping off shoelaces and and acting like <laughs> a little imp. Or in this, in that sequence with Victoria, where you know he gets some that nice character moment, yeah. or in the Dominators, where he's pretending to be a fucking idiot. To look- <laughs> Do you remember those scenes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, he can work with Trout. I think um, I would like to see maybe one more. I mm. think the Dominators was the best out for him. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want to handle him any of those great stories from season six, but mm. maybe even something in color. You know? Yeah, it would have been interested to see uh, see how he worked with Pertwee. 
But I think there's a reason why people remember Cybermen on the Moon, Cybermen in their tombs. And I'm going to say it, Fraser, there's a reason why people remember the Quarks as well. <laughs> you know? So Morris Barry is my second. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. So. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to go with the actual Cybermen um, mm. because I, I don't think um they were ever bettered uh after this story i don't think i think this this is if you if you look at the moon base as being a bit of a well this is kind of a bit of a sequel to the moon base isn't it um but i don't think they ever looked better after this story um or no 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 that's that's maybe not right because they i love the invasion cybermen um but i think with this, I, I love the kind of the, the silent kind of silent killers, um, just those blank looks that they give people. Um, I think they're fantastic. And I would love for them to revisit this kind of design, uh, because I think with a few tweaks, it would work in, in modern who, um, you know, we, we saw how the, the, the Mondasian style Cybermen worked in uh, World Enough in Time, World Enough in Time. Um, I just think that they, yeah, they were never better after this, really. It's almost like there's, there's never been, I don't think there's ever been a Cyberman story, as in that, like where the idea of the Cybermen turning up is this enticing, mm. you know? Like after yeah. this, they're always like, oh, yeah, okay, the Cybermen are here, great, set piece, action. Yeah. I think maybe Graham Harper has a stab at it in Rise of the Cybermen, actually. Mm. And he keeps them off screen for ages. So when they finally come, it's like smashing through windows and stuff. Yeah. But it's kind of different. Again, because this is such a, like, a massive idea. We're going down into their frozen tombs, you know. Mm. So it means, you know, and it's not like we don't know they're in it. It's called Tomb of the Cybermen. And they got that fucking tramp stamp all over yeah. the place. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, they're in this. All right, they're coming, okay? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to hang out with these boring characters for a bit, but they'll be coming. <laughs> yeah, I think you're. I yeah, think, yeah. Maybe the maybe the idea of the Cybermen hasn't been as exciting. Yeah, I think so. And you know, you kind of it, it's a bit like the Daleks, really, before Davros turned up. You know, you, you th there's something a little bit more sinister about them in their early days. Mm. Um, you know, they're they're there's something to be feared. Um, you know, they quite clearly have no emotions. Um, whereas we get into the, I, I love 80 Cybermen. I love David Banks, but they're very different and uh, they're, they're, they're much more, uh, I can explain it. They're, they're much more kind of cartoon villains, you know, um, they're, they're very, they're of their time. Um, you can't imagine, I can't imagine these Cybermen working in an 80s story, um, they tried so, to do scale with Earthshock, didn't they? And they did it well. Mm, but it's yeah. a different. It's a very different it's, kind of story. It's it, yeah, and it, it's it's a different Cyberman as well. You know, it's, I still think they're great, but they're just different. They're just stormtrooper Cybermen, isn't it? It's very it's, post Star yeah. Wars Cybermen. Yeah, it's why I don't like, in particular, the the Cybermen of New Who really because I, there's just something I never get that same sense of fear. Um, well, that I get as well, aren't they? Yeah, I think they the worst thing... by the Daleks, they get oh. beaten by James Corden loving his son. Yeah. <laughs> rubbish, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and you, you, you know, you kind of I think the worst they, they ever got was probably in, in, in Dark Water, 
um, and uh, where they were just flying about, zooming around like <laughs> Iron Man, you know, and it's like, this is not what Cybermen do. Talk about camp. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Brigadier came along. A Cyberman with a moustache. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I just imagine that. She needed the Briggs cap on, didn't he? <laughs> well, for my third... Do you know, I'm very tempted to say the Cyber Controller because mm-hmm. I've never before seen such an impressive throbbing head as he's got. <laughs> but I'm going to say... I'm going to single out Patrick Trout, who mm-hmm. I think brings a hell of a lot of worth, acting worth, to this story. I think mean, there's some really hokey performances in this. Mm-hmm. He just knows what he's doing at this point, mm-hmm. you know? And you're right, he's a bit sinister. He's very funny. Mm-hmm. He'd be really sweet. He has that lovely moment where he grabs Jamie's hand as they're going in the tombs. Um, yeah, and he sells it all. He sells every single moment. Uh, I mean, you know, just to make that bit where those ridiculous cybermats surround them feel like a genuinely tense moment because he's hopping yeah. about all over the place, going, "Everyone, wake up! <laughs> <It's> <laughs> danger!" He's he's just brilliant. Like, I think it took him a little while to settle into the role. Yeah, couple of stories, Macro Terra, maybe I think is where he really gets. Yeah, I think it. so. But then he just flies from that point. Yeah, on. and he never he never feels like he's uh, he's kind of. He doesn't feel big and overpowering. He's he's very good at being a a doctor that's there in the background, um, mm. influencing things. Um, and that's not to say that he doesn't stand out in the stories because he does. But he's not like he's not like a, you know a kind of a tenant doctor that, that you know he's he's not focused on him. Um, he doesn't behave like he's the smartest person in the room, does he? No, no, he he's doesn't. A, no, he's a little sly boots. Yeah. There. Whilst everyone else is talking, he's touching the controls. You know, going, yeah. right, go down there and see what's down there. Yeah. Right, let's do it. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your little sods. Yeah. Be very... careful what you wish for. Exactly. They're very, very manipulative. Yeah, very much so. But interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, Jim. <clears throat> Thus ends our discussion of this iconic story. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereabouts are we heading in about five minutes' time? <laughs> we are going to visit a another Victorian young lady. Um, we are going to visit one of the splinters of Clara. Oh, in... God. <laughs> in uh, the Victorian age, we are going to watch the snowmen. Oh, that's my favourite Clara of all. Yay! Yay. <laughs> and I believe it's the pilot of the new podcast, Jim Allen B Presents. <laughs> Don't put the pressure on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I, I do think there's plenty to discuss in The Snowmen. I mm-hmm. think both quite like it with some yes. reservations. Yes. But it would be really nice to get into the ins and outs of the era as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And let's just say... Until next time, or two minutes' time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I'll just cut it there, shall I? <laughs> <laughs>